Thank you for joining us for a sermon from Sojourn North. Around Christmas time, I start thinking about Christmas gifts. Anybody like that? <laughs> yeah, most of the kids give a hearty amen. Well, I, I don't get into so much buying the gifts, but I like to research. So that's what I do. And this year, for some reason, I was like, I wonder what some of the funniest and most absurd Christmas gifts there are. So I've got some pictures up here and want to talk you through a few that I found. The first one, it's going to be hard for you to find because it's sold out many places. The first one is headlights for Crocs. You see... You see the Crocs. I don't know why you would need those, uh, but they exist. Next, we have a dinosaur taco holder. Not sure why those exist. Then we have a yodeling pickle. I don't know why. So uh, keep that in mind for next year. This is one of my favorite, bacon-flavored lip balm. It would really, it probably wouldn't want to make women kiss men, but maybe men kiss women. So just think that in mind. Uh, Keep that in mind. Next one is the emotional support fries. I don't even know what that is. But I will tell you this. If you come meet with me and I'm holding those close to my heart, you might be a very chaotic person. <laughs> so, don't take offense, but that's what will happen. Two more. Next one's de- dehydrated water. It's just a can. <laughs> just add water, baby. And that will hydrate that, that water that doesn't exist. And finally, a nose pencil sharpener. I <laughs> I really didn't expect the kids to be this uproarious with all this, or I would have gone with a different direction. But I guess it gets back to the idea of why do we give gifts? There are many reasons we give gifts. Jesus is the greatest gift the world has seen. But we give gifts to our loved ones because we love them. We want them to feel love. They want, we want them to say, man, I feel cherished. I feel special. And today, as we, we think about, as we've lit the, uh, the final uh, candle, that thinking about love, the center one is Christ, we'll light that in just a little bit, thinking about the love that God has for us. In the Greek, there are four different terms for love. The ultimate love is agape love. It's an unconditional love, an everlasting love. It's the love spoken about in John 3.16 that we read. It's the love spoken about in 1 Corinthians 13, that love is patient, love is kind, keeps no record of wrongs. This is the love that God has for us. And as we think about Messiah that we've sung about, the anointed one who would come into the world, the one who was promised centuries past, that when he came, he would bring love, light into the world. And as we've gone through the Advent candles of having hope and joy and peace and love all centered in Christ, Today, my heartbeat is that we, even in this brief little sermonette, that we would say, Lord, I see that your love for me is greater than I could dream or imagine. Help me step into that and move more into that this year as we go forward. 
We're going to read from Isaiah. It's 700 years before Christ. Prophecy written about Jesus. In Luke chapter 4, as we've gone through Luke, we see Jesus steps into his synagogue in his hometown, unrolls the scroll, and he reads this prophecy. And he says, today this prophecy is fulfilled in your reading. So as we hear this today, I want you to hear once again that this is Messiah coming and think about the foundation of love from Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4. If you're able, I'd invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. And let's hear this prophecy about Jesus. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor and has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. In your bulletin, just a brief outline as we think about Jesus bringing love into the world. Love promises, love blesses, and love restores. So the first point, love promises. That when we think about a husband and wife uh, coming into a covenant relationship, there are promises that are spoken. There are many times those promises are kept. There are many times when those promises are broken. But as we think about promises that God makes, God is not capable of lying. Every promise he has made, he will fulfill. And so when we think about the promises of God, when you look at this passage, who is God promising these things to? And the list is here. And and what I want us to continue to think about, what I say all the time, is what does this reveal about the heart of God? How does this challenge your view of God's heart? So think about this. This is who God is promising this life to. The poor. The brokenhearted. The captives. Those who are bound. All who mourn. I'm going to hit them again because I want you to see the heart of God again. The poor the brokenhearted, the captives, all who are bound, all who mourn. And if you take some time to read through a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, we've been journeying for a couple years through the book of Luke, going section by section. We see Jesus is fulfilling this because who does he go to? He's speaking truth to everyone. He's inviting everyone, but he's with the prostitutes. He's with those who are drunkards. He's with the tax collectors. He's with those who are adulterers. And he's calling them to life. And he's filling this whole world with this loving invitation and saying, come, come to me. If you carry heavy burdens, come on. If you feel beat down, come on. If religion 
has squashed you. Come on, come to me because I will give you rest. That's Jesus. Jesus has come and He brings promises. And my question before we move on to the next point, how, how are you doing today? Where are you today? Are you brokenhearted? A lot of times we look at the holiday season, it's like, oh, I'm supposed to be happy, so I put on my smile. It's all good. And I don't know if you're like me. Maybe I need my emotional support fries right now just to hold them. But the longer I live, the more lost there is in my life, the more loved ones I've lost. Holidays aren't the same, man. There's brokenness in this world. Some things are never the same. Are you brokenhearted? I am many days. Do you feel bound? That you're just stuck and you can't break free? The message to you is the same message to me is the same message for the last 2,000 years and even before the coming of Christ. It's that God sees you, He knows you, and He wants you, and He's inviting you today. Hear this quote from one of my favorite pastors. He says, here's a welcome word for you. Jesus is not hiding in the shadows to shame or berate you. Is that your picture of Jesus? That He's just waiting, just being like, Oh, I'm hiding behind this door. Oh, I see you. Shame. Berate. I don't even know if that's the proper terminology, but I just use it like that. But this pastor says, get a compassionate picture of God waving you towards Him by saying, are you tired yet? Your plan can't work. I know it looked like it could for a while, but come. Come to Me. Bring your fatigue. Bring your frustration. Bring all your wounds. Bring all your guilt to Me. Come to me and find rest. He will carry those things. He will take those upon himself. He bore our shame so we don't have to live in shame. Love brings promises. But also love brings blessings. What are the blessings? You look at these groups that God has given us through this prophecy. The blessings are this, to bring good news to the poor. These people who had nothing, they didn't even know where their next meal was going to come from. The good news is that this world is temporary, but there's an eternal world, the new heavens and new earth that I will bring you to, where there'll be perfect peace, perfect union with me. The blessing to bind up the brokenhearted, that sin has broken and crushed people's spirits, that this binding up is this healing motion to move you towards healing, that if you're brokenhearted, that God can bring healing to your heart. Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives. That's one of His blessings to say, hey, I've come to set you free. Through my life, through my death, through my resurrection that is going to come, that I will set you free, that I will die the death that you deserve so that you can have the righteousness that I have. So you can be part of my eternal family. All you got to do is accept it. And it will change all of life. But come on, come to me. The blessing he brings, open the prison doors to those who are bound, that sin has shackled us, and God has broken those shackles. So we're not bound by sin anymore. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to comfort all who mourn, and the list goes on. But this shines forth the unbelievable heart of God, that he's saying, I've come to bring healing to you. 
I've come to bring hope to you, to peace to you, joy to you, that you can see my love, this agape love that is eternal. It will never fade away. See, we see love promises, we see love blesses, and finally we see love restores. And this is the heart of our God, that he's bringing restoration. We talk about the fall in Genesis 3, that the curse came, everything's broken, and that Jesus came to reverse the curse. Bringing in the new kingdom, in Revelation he says, behold, I'm making all things new. And one, one day, whether it's soon or a long time from now, all things will be made new in the new heavens and new earth. But while we wait, we seek his face and we live into the reality that he invites us into. Love restores. Ultimately, this restoration is salvation that God, because of Jesus' sacrifice, transfers us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. He takes what is dead and makes us alive. He adopts us to be children in his family forever. Our ultimate identity is we are beloved children of God. And what does this restoration do? It's not just that we're saved. That is huge. And it has eternal ramifications. But it changes us here and now. And the pictures it gives us here, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. In my 20s, I was single. I was working with a homeless ministry in Atlanta. We were in a book by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones on the Sermon on the Mount, studies in the Sermon on the Mount. And I was reading a chapter in a hammock, living in this house that we'd invite homeless people to come in to live. And there were huge oak trees in the backyard. And I was on this hammock and I was reading about it. I was just like, Lord, I want to be an oak tree. I want to be planted. My roots go down deep into the ground. I didn't know exactly what I was praying because in so many ways, it's like, what does it take for roots to grow down deep? It takes drought. It takes storms. It takes the suffering of life. But what is the restoration that God is bringing? He's taking us, and the parallel from Jeremiah that Isaiah is writing about is that we were shrubs in the desert with no root system, and he's making us oaks of righteousness where our Roots will grow down deep into the ground. They have a water source that's different. So even in drought, we will bear fruit. And so often in this world, we have this American mindset. I know I have it. It's, like, it's just quick, quick, quick. If I want a baked potato, I throw it in the microwave oven. There used to be a skit on Saturday Night Live about old men saying like, these young kids, they got microwaves. I didn't plan on doing this, but I'm going to keep going. If I wanted a baked potato, I'd have to warm up the oven and cook it for two hours. And we liked it that way. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, we can do anything quick. A car can be manufactured in less than a day and on an assembly line. An oak tree to grow to full maturity takes 30 to 50 years, depending on what type of oak it is. It takes 50 years for it to start producing acorns. We have to take the long view of what is God doing? Like, it's a long view. I'm about to turn 50 this next year, and it's like, it's a long view. Take the long view. It takes time. Growth takes time. But the invitation is keep coming. This restoration, this restoring, what are the fruit of it? The fruits of it, it's 
patient endurance, it's reliance upon God. It brings glory to God. And there's this sense that he says, you will build up that which is broken. And that's our calling in this world, to build up what's broken. To love the unlovable, to show and shine forth the heart of God. And so here today on Christmas Eve, as we close out this sermon, as we're going to take communion, as we're going to light candles in just a little bit and sing Silent Night, my invitation to you is this. Where are you today? Are you brokenhearted? Come to Jesus. Do you not know Jesus? Because I would encourage you, start conversations with us. It can change your life. By embracing Him as your Savior, all of your life will change. All of eternity will change. Wherever you may be, there's an invitation for you to take the next step. And that's our invitation today. And as we weekly partake in communion, we're reminded again that Jesus is the light of the world. He says, continue to do this to be remembering who I am, what I did, what I'm doing, and what I promised to do. And what we do, our tradition here, is, is we take some juice and the bread back to our seat and we'll partake in communion all together. And this is for those who have surrendered to Christ as your Savior. If you haven't, the invitation is just stay in your seat and reflect. And for all of us, just to listen to the words of this next song as you come forward and remember what God has done and what He's inviting us to. Because man, He is good. He is good. He loves you. He's got a plan for you. He sees you. He knows you. All your heartaches, all your burdens, all of it. And He wants you. And that's the invitation. So after I pray, I invite you to come, take these elements back to your seat, and we'll partake in a moment all together. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for this prophecy 700 years before Jesus, before you came as Messiah to redeem the world, to set in motion this rescue plan for humanity. And that you lived the life that we could not live. You were without sin. You marched to the cross and bore the shame that we were called to bear, the punishment that we were called to bear for us. And that you rose from the dead, defeating Satan's sin and death. And we celebrate here today that as you come in the frailty of the form of a baby, you live your life faithfully. And we thank you. We thank you that love promises and all these promises we have, we want to embrace. And that you blessed us so deeply and you restored us and you continue to restore us. Lord, encourage my brothers and sisters here today. And may your will be done. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. For more information, you can visit sojournorth.com.